Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Lord Peter Whimsey, episode titled Clouds of Witness, where Lord Peter's eldest brother stands accused of murder. In collaboration with Inspector Parker, Whimsy slowly uncovers a web of lies and deceit within his own family. This will be an eight-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Lord Peter Whimsy. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter, with James Villiers as the Duke of Denver. Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted in eight episodes by Peter Jones and Tanya Leaven. Episode 1, The Riddlesdale Inquest. Good morning, my lord. Your lordship's bath water is ready. Uh, That sounded so refreshing, Bunter. Would you mind saying it again? Your bath water is ready, my lord. Very agreeable. Contrast, you see, Bunter. Contrast is life. Corsica yesterday, Paris today... And then, dear London. That'll be the coffee and rolls, my lord. Uh, uh, bring them into the bathroom, Bunter, would you? I can't wait to soak the dust of Corsica off my aching limbs. Ah, coffee, rolls, butter. Any uh, English marmalade? His lordship is very partial to Oxford marmalade. You wish for jam, monsieur? Never mind. Jam for breakfast. Here we are, my lord. Oh, thank you. Let's try and balance it on this bath tray, Bunter, would you? Are there the times you got that? Yes, uh, today's, my lord. It arrived by aeroplane this morning. Amazing. Today's time's in Paris at... What is the time, Bunter? Five minutes to ten, my lord. Five minutes... Look, I told you to let me sleep. What on earth made you wake me at this hour? I had no doubt your lordship would be wishing to go to Riddlesdale at once. Oh, Riddlesdale? Why, what's the matter? Anything wrong? The headline, my lord. What's it say? Riddlesdale inquest. Duke of Denver arrested on murder charge. Gerald? Good grief. Let's have a look, Bunter. Well, upon my soul. When's the next train? I beg your lordship's pardon. I took the liberty to book seats in the aeroplane Victoria. She starts at 11.30. You did quite right, Bunter. Dear me, poor old Gerald arrested for murder. Always hated my being mixed up with the police, now he's mixed up with them himself. How very distressing to a brother. Well, I suppose one must have breakfast. Yes, my lord. There's a full account of the inquest in the paper, my lord. Well, read it, Bunter, would you, while I take a little nourishment. Who's on the case, by the way? Mr Parker, my lord. Parker? Oh, I say that is good. Splendid old Parker. 
Even say it's just awkward for my brother having no turn for criminology, what? Uncommonly worrying for the poor old lad. Yeah, well, read on, Bunter, read on. The inquest was held today at Riddlesdale in the North Riding of Yorkshire on the body of Captain Dennis Cathcart. The tragedy occurred at the Duke of Denver's shooting lodge on the night of October the 13th. The Duke of Denver gave evidence... I was returning from a stroll in the garden. At three o'clock in the morning? That's right. And my foot struck against something. I switched on my electric torch and saw at my feet the body of Dennis Cathcart. Did you realise he was dead? Oh, absolutely. I turned him over to make certain and saw that he'd been shot in the chest. Then I heard a cry in the conservatory and saw my sister, Lady Mary, at the door. Did she say anything? Yes, she said, Oh, God, Gerald, you've killed him. What? Oh, please. Were you surprised by that remark? Well, I was so shocked and surprised by the whole thing. I'd... I think I said to her, don't look, and she said, oh, it's Dennis, what can have happened? And I sent her to the house to rouse everybody. Do you remember how she was dressed? I don't think she was in her pyjamas. <laughs> I think that she had a coat on. I understand that Lady Mary Whimsey was engaged to the deceased. Yes. He was well known to you? He was a son of an old friend of my father's. Parents are dead, I believe he lived chiefly abroad... I ran across him during the war, and in 1919 he came to stay at Denver. He became engaged to my sister at the beginning of this year. With your consent? Yes, certainly. What kind of man was he? Well, he was a sahib and all that. I think he lived on his income. His father was well off. I never heard anything against him until that evening. What was that? Well, if anybody but Tommy Freeborn had said it, I would never have believed it. I must ask your grace of what exactly you had to accuse the deceased. Well, I, I didn't exactly accuse him. An old friend of mine made a suggestion. I thought it must all be a mistake. So I went to Cathcart, and to my amazement, he practically admitted it. Then we both got angry, and he told me to go to the devil and rushed out of the house. Will you, Grace, give me, as far as you can remember, the exact history of this quarrel? We'd had a long day shooting, and at about half past nine we felt like turning in. My sister and Mrs Pettigrew Robinson toddled on up, and we were having a last peg in the billiard room when Fleming, that's my man, came in with the letters. They come any old time. We are about two and a half miles from the village, you understand? Uh, no. no um, actually, just then, I was in the gun room. There was this letter from Tom Freeborn. I used to know him at the house. Whose house? Christchurch, Oxford. He wrote to say he'd seen the announcement of the engagement in Egypt. In Egypt? I mean, he was in Egypt. Tom Freeborn. He said, would I excuse him for interfering? But did I know who Cathcart was? Said he'd met him in Paris during the war and he lived by cheating at cards. I thought I ought to know. What did you do? Well, I went and knocked at Cathcart's door. He said, who the devil's that, or something of the sort? And I went in and said, can I have a word with you? Well, cut it short then, he said. I was surprised. He wasn't usually rude. Well, I said, fact is, I've had a letter from an old friend of mine and he says he met you in Paris. What the hell do you want to come talking to me about Paris for, he said in a most uncommonly unpleasant way. Well, I said, don't talk like that, because it's misleading under the circumstances. What are you driving at, says Cathcart. Spit it out and go to bed. I said, all right, I will. 
It's from a man called Freeborn, and he says you lived by cheating at cards. Well, I thought he'd break out at that, but all he said was, what about it? I said, well, it's not the sort of thing I'm going to believe like that, right bang slap off without any proof. And then he said a funny thing. He said, beliefs don't matter. It's what one knows about people. Do you mean to say you don't deny it, I said. It's no good my denying it, he said. You must make up your own mind. Nobody could disprove it. And then he jumped up, nearly knocking the table over, and said, I don't care what you think or what you do if you'll only get out. Now, look here, I said. I'm sure there must be some mistake. Only you being engaged to Mary, I am naturally concerned. Oh, he said, if that's what's worrying you, it needn't. That's off. I said, what? He said, our engagement. Off, I said. But I was talking to Mary about it only yesterday. Who the hell do you think you are to come here and jilt my sister? You can get out, I said. I'm no use for swine like you. I will, he said, and he pushed past me and slammed downstairs and out of the front door and banged it after him. What did you do? I shouted to him not to be a silly fool. It was pouring with rain and beastly cold. Didn't come back. I told Fleming to leave the conservatory door open in case he thought better of it. And then what did you do? I went to bed. Can you suggest any explanation for Cathcart's behaviour? I think he must somehow have got wind of that letter and realised that the game was up. Did you do anything further in the matter? No, I didn't want to go out hunting for the fellow. I was, well, I was too angry. Besides, I thought he'd change his mind before long. It was a brute of a night and he'd only a dinner jacket. Then you just went quietly to bed and never saw the deceased again? And not till I fell over him outside the conservatory at three in the morning. Oh, yes. Now, can you tell us how you came to be out of doors at that time? I, um, I didn't sleep well. Um... I went out for a stroll. At three o'clock in the morning? It, uh, my wife's away. Look at chap. Silence! You got up at that hour of an October night to take a walk in the pouring rain? Just a stroll. Exactly where did you go? Oh, roundabout. You heard no shot? No. Did you go far away from the conservatory door? Uh, well, I was some way away... Uh, Perhaps that's why I didn't hear anything. Were you as much as a quarter of a mile away? Oh, I should think I was. Oh, yes, quite. You must have left the grounds, then. Oh, I think I did. Yes. I walked about on the moor a bit, do you know. Can you show us the letter you had from Mr. Freeborn? Oh, certainly, if I can find it. I thought I put it in my pocket, but later, when I looked for it, I couldn't find it. Hmm. Can you have accidentally destroyed it? No. No, I'm sure I remember putting it in my... Ah, yes, I remember now. I did destroy it. That is unfortunate. Uh, perhaps you kept the envelope. Uh, no, I didn't. Then you could show the jury no proof of having received it. Well, not unless Fleming remembers it. No doubt we can check that way. Thank you, Your Grace. Call Lady Mary Windsor. Lady Mary... I'm aware that this must be a very harrowing ordeal for you. I shall endeavour to make it as easy as I can. How long have you been engaged to the deceased? Uh, about eight months. You are quite happy? Quite. Did he tell you much about his previous life? 
We were not given to mutual confidences. We usually discussed subjects of common interest. Did you gather at any time that Captain Cathcart had anything on his mind? Not particularly. Did he speak of his life in Paris? He spoke of theatres and amusements there. I was staying in Paris with some friends last February, and he took us about. That was shortly after our engagement. Did he ever speak of playing cards in Paris? I don't remember. You never heard him complain of being hard up? Everybody complains of that, don't they? Was he a man of cheerful disposition? He was very moody. Did you know about the deceased wishing to break off the engagement? No, I did not. There had been no quarrel? No. As far as you knew, on the Wednesday evening, you were still engaged to the deceased with every prospect of being married to him shortly? Yes, of course. He was not... Uh, forgive me this very painful question. The sort of man who would have been likely to lay violent hands on himself? I never thought... Well, I suppose he might have done. That would explain it, wouldn't it? Hmm. Now, Lady Mary, will you tell us exactly what you heard and saw on Wednesday night and Thursday morning? Mrs Pettigrew Robinson and I went up to bed about half past nine, leaving the men downstairs... At about quarter past ten, I heard two men talking loudly, and then I heard someone run downstairs and bang the front door. Then I went to bed. What happened next? I woke up at three o'clock. What wakened you? I heard a shot. You were not awake before you heard it? I may have been partly awake. I, I listened for a few minutes, and then I went down to see if anything was wrong. Why did you not call your brother or some other gentleman? Why should I? thought it was probably only, only poachers. So you went downstairs by yourself. That was very plucky of you, Lady Mary. Did you go immediately? Not quite immediately. I put on walking shoes over bare feet, a heavy coat and a woolly cap. It may have been five minutes after hearing the shot that I went downstairs to the conservatory. Why did you go out that way? It was quicker. When I got there, I saw a man outside bending over something on the ground. When he looked up, I was astonished to see my brother. Before you saw who it was, what did you expect? I thought it was burglars. His grace has told us that when you saw him, you cried out, Oh, God, you've killed him. Can you tell us why you did that? I, I thought my brother must have come upon the burglar and fired at him in self-defence. Quite so. You knew that the Duke possessed a revolver? Oh, yes. I think so. What did you do next? My brother sent me up to get help. I, I knocked up Mr Arbuthnot and Mr and Mrs Pettigrew Robinson. Th then I... Suddenly felt very faint. And I went back to my bedroom and took some self-volatily. Everybody was running about. I couldn't bear it. Usher, <laughs> take Lady Mary downstairs and give her every assistance. You are the Honourable Frederick Arbuthnot. Afraid so. I, I mean, yes. Can you remember the night of Wednesday, October the 13th? Rather. Never forget it. Will you tell the court what happened? Well, I turned in with the rest of the crowd a little before ten. Left Denver downstairs, but heard him come up later. How much later? I didn't look at me watch. I was brushing my teeth at the time. Then I got into bed and turned the gas off. Or rather, I turned the gas off and then got into bed. And then I heard shouting coming from Cathcart's room. Yet somebody slammed a door and ran down the stairs hell for leather. Well, for all I knew, the place was on fire, so I jumped out of bed and made a beeline for the door. Opened it, and there was old Denver just standing there. Did he say anything to you? Well, actually, I said, Hello, Denver, what's the run? And then? Then he rushed into his own bedroom and shouted out of the window. What did he shout? 
Don't be an ass, man. Did he sound angry? Very. But that didn't mean anything. He was always like that. More more dust and kick. Did you know Dennis Cathcart? Not very well. Did you form an opinion as to his character? Yes. What was it? Didn't like him. Any particular reason? Lord, no. Have you ever heard that he cheated at cards? Certainly not. You saw him with Lady Mary several times? Yes. Did you notice anything particular in his manner to her that evening? No, not at all. Or hers to him? No, but I'm not an observant type. I I thought the dust up none of my business. Went to bed and to sleep. When did you hear anything further that night? Nothing. Until poor little Mary knocked me up. Then I toddled down and found Denver bathing Cathcart's head. Did you hear a shot? No, not a sound. Thank you, that's all. Call Mr. Pettigrew Robbins. Mr. Pettigrew Robbins. You are Alfred James Pettigrew Robbins. I am. You go up to bed at the same time as the others on Wednesday night of October the 13th? Yes. And what did you hear when you got up to the bedroom? Nothing. Nothing? Not when I got up to the bedroom, no. Did you hear anything later? Yes. What did you hear? Quarrelling. Who was quarrelling? Sounded like our host and Cathcart. What did you do? Opened my door. There was Denver. What was he doing? Shouting down to his man to leave the door of the conservatory open. Then he went back to his bedroom. Did you speak to him? I said, what's up, Denver? What's up? Denver. What's up, Denver? Yes. And uh, what did he say? Nothing. Just closed his bedroom door. And what happened after that? Nothing until about 11.30. Then I heard his door open again and someone tiptoed down the passage. Did you hear anyone return? No, I went to sleep. Thank you. Call the next witness. My nephew's notions were always very French. He was educated abroad. After my brother's death, I was left executrix of the will and guardian until Dennis came of age. Then he came into 10,000 a year. It was in some kind of foreign property. I benefited from the will also and converted my shares into British securities. I cannot say what Dennis did with his. Did he play cards, to your knowledge? I believe he was very good at cards. Uh, Did he, to your knowledge, ever cheat? No, but it wouldn't surprise me. I believe the people he consorted with in Paris were most undesirable. I never met any of them myself, I am pleased to say. I have never been to France. (laughs) Silence! Thank you, Miss Cathcart. Call the next witness. John Thomas Hardraw. Oh, yes. You are John Thomas Hardraw? Yes, sir. You live in a cottage in the grounds of Riddlesdale Lodge? Yes, sir. Did you hear a shot fired on the night of Wednesday? I heard a shot about ten minutes to twelve. Was that unusual? Uh, No, sir. It's a good poaching country round there. You thought it was purchase? Yes, sir. Did you do anything about it? I got up and went out with my gun. But I saw never a shoal, dead or alive. I went back to bed about one o'clock. Did you fire your gun at any time? No, sir. Did you hear any more shots? Only that one shot. Then I went to sleep again and was wakened by chauffeur going for the doctor. What time was that? Oh, about quarter past three. Thank you. You may stand down. Call the next witness. You are Inspector Craigs. I am. Will you tell us what happened on the morning of Thursday, October the 14th? Accompanied by Dr. Thorpe, I examined the body which was lying on its back just outside the conservatory door, near the open well. As soon as it became light enough, I examined the ground thereabouts and discovered several bloodstains along the path and signs that the body had been dragged along it. The blood tracks led to the shrubbery. 
In the shrubbery, I found a pool of blood and a revolver. The deceased wore a dinner jacket. He had no hat or overcoat and was wet through. I searched the deceased's pockets and his bedroom, but found no clue which could shed light on the circumstances. Is that all you have to say? Yes, sir. Thank you. Recall the Duke of Denver. The uh, Duke of Denver? I should like to ask your grace whether you ever saw the deceased with a revolver. Not since the war. You do not know if he carried one about with him. I have no idea. You can make no guess, I suppose, to whom this revolver belongs? That's my revolver. Out of the study table drawer. How did you get hold of that? You are certain? I'm positive. I saw it there only the other day when I was hunting out some photos of Mary for Cathcart. Did you keep it loaded? Lord, no. Did anybody else know that the revolver was there? Well, Fleming did, I think. I don't know of anybody else. Thank you, Your Grace. That will be all. The court will adjourn for two hours prior to my summing up. I don't like the sound of that coroner one little bit. How did he sum up? Just read the end, would you? Uh, If you feel justified in laying the killing at any person's door, then you must allow no respect of persons to prevent you from doing your duty. Well, that's that, Bunterell's sport. Just about done for poor old Jerry. What? What could twelve good men and true possibly say to that? Quite, my lord. After retiring for ten minutes, the jury returned a verdict of willful murder against Gerald, Duke of Denver. for breakfast, I say. Personally, I like fish. Good for the old memory, what? Where are the ladies, Mr Parker? Lady Mary's in her bedroom, resting. The others have gone to church. Won't they get stared at, what? The Duchess thought it didn't matter. All those bounders round here are socialists and Methodists. If they're Methodists, they'll not be at church. You bet they will. There's anything to see. It'll be better than a funeral to them. What about you, Parker? Aren't you Scotland Yard people, church gears? Some of us are, when we're not on duty. I expect you'll clear this murder up in no time, what? Well, I'll do my best. And besides, I, I'll probably have some help on the job. <laughs> the, uh, the young lad who was in court with you? Uh, no, no, he's gone back to London. I'm hoping for Her Grace's brother-in-law. Not old Peter, surely. Whimsy would be one of the finest detectives in England if he wasn't lazy. He's a rummy old bird. Mm. Ought to be here, what? If anything happens to old Denver, he's head of the family, ain't he? Until little pickled gherkins comes of age. Oh, what's that? Morning, dear old things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how are we all? Peter, my dear old bean. Well, don't trouble to get up, Freddy. I'd simply hate to inconvenience you. I'm bloated. Well, mate, got pedigree Robinson. You know, you won me half a crown since last September year. What <laughs> Charles, old man, what a damn reliable old bird you are. Always on the spot, like that patent ointment thing, what? (laughs) How did you get here so quickly? Aeroplane. The Victoria from Paris to Croydon, northeastern to Northallerton, and damn bad roads the rest of the way, and a puncture just below Riddlesdale. Damn bad bed at the Lording Glory, too. However, I thought I'd blow in here for the last sausage, if I was lucky. There aren't any. What? Sunday morning in an English family and no sausages. God bless my soul, what is the world coming to? Well, there is some curry. Oh, thanks for that. Here, I say you needn't be so stingy about it. I've been travelling for three days on end. 
Well, old Gerald's been have gone and done it this time, what? It's a pity you didn't arrive in time to see him. Yes, well, that's all right. I'll look him up in quad. I'm sorry for poor old Mary there. How is she? Uh, she's not to be disturbed, so Helen says. Yeah, well, she'll keep. Today, Parker and I hold high revel. He shows me all the bloody footprints. I say. That's all right, Pettigrew. That ain't swearing. That's an adjective of quality. <laughs> I hope they aren't all washed away, by the way. No, I've got most of them under flower pots. Ah, then pass me the bread and squish and tell me all about it. <laughs> In that episode of Clouds of Witness, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Whimsey, Ian Carmichael, Bunter, Peter Jones, the Duke of Denver, James Villiers, Lady Mary Whimsey, Mariah Aitken, Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe, Freddie Arbuthnot, Nigel Lambert, the Coroner, James Thomason, Pettigrew Robinson and Craigs, Bill Wallace, Cooper and Hardraw, Sean Arnold, Miss Cathcart, Betty Cardno. The Riddlesdale Inquest was adapted by Peter Jones and Tiny Leaven from the book Clouds of Witness by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>